I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> David and I are over the moon. We are thrilled. We are excited to bring you um, this incredible conversation with poet, speaker, advocate, um, just like life-changing force of nature, Lederic Horn. Um, This is the first in a series, so stay tuned for more and more of this amazing conversation. a ton of information about Lederic, links to his site, his work, um, a lot of the organizations we mentioned throughout this conversation, resources, all of that is going to be found in the show notes. So check them out. And without further ado, here is the first part of our conversation with Lederic Horn. So I guess this is that, that moment, Lederic, where I think I need to introduce you, potentially, right? And, and I want to introduce you, and I've been like thinking maybe over the last year and a half how I would introduce you in, in this podcast. And I don't know if you remember this, but years and years ago, you gave me some, the advice I still use today on like how to introduce a person. Oh, yeah. And, and I was like, well, Derek, how do, how do I introduce someone? He goes, just talk about the last time you saw them and why you think they'd be a good, good fit for right now. And I was like, oh, yeah. So... The last time Derek and I really saw each other, I want to say we were walking around cold Chicago having Ethiopian food and amazing conversations. With Almost exactly a year to the date. Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and I think that that like us interacting and having dinner and us seeing each other there, that that has so little to do with why I want you here today. So I think I need to go a little deeper than than Chicago. Um when I started my journey in understanding LD and ADHD stuff, I came from this place of like, you know, I had ADHD, I have ADHD, but like, what is, you know, what does that mean in the context of the world around me? What does that mean in the context of who I am with other people? And like, what do you mean I'm not alone? Like that stuff was like so different. I was still trying to hide who I was, like pretend like I like frosting on cake. By the way, I don't, I don't like frosting. I'm that person. And so Lederic and Sorry, I, I'm gonna have feelings about this. I'm just gonna make a note. Continue. I'm yeah, so sorry. Yeah, make that note. Like as a as a child, I had to hide my love for frost. Like oh, yeah, great frost. Because like kids will not like you if you don't like frosting. There's a thing here. Um, mm-hmm. But the real parallel with this frosting thing is, as I started learning about how to advocate and how to understand ADHD, Lederic was one of the first mentors that I ever really encountered in this field, and. And I think to just call you a mentor minimizes like so much about what you do, right? Because I could be like a poet, a consultant, a business person, uh, like playwright, a tree farmer. Like I could keep going right now, right? A social advocate for, for people, a voice for those who don't have voices, fellow D&D enthusiast, incredible, Absolutely. awesome nerd that I could walk and talk for hours with. 
I think that that could go on for for a long time. But but your origin story and who you are in that like in that what is it like fifteen years ago now? I don't even know. Like ten years ago now, it was like it spoke to me on a level of like, oh my god, you you're kind of you. I want to be like you, and. And I think that brings us to the day. Uh, Lederic, please unlock the magic for everyone that's listening so they can also want to be like you, just like I did 10 years oh, ago. Oh, goodness. Thank you. That's a, that's a, <laughs> I'm blushing to the extent that a black man can blush. <laughs> I see it. I, I, I appreciate that, David. And um, as you know, I, I, I mean, it, it's, I think it's always a good sign when, you know, I feel like I can say everything else that you just, gifted me with back to you that you're a mentor i i consider you um an amazing colleague um and this podcast you guys have created i have referred quite a few people to it because you know this thing you're creating is amazing and and i expect like nothing less of david kessler you know what i mean and and um and then yeah i you know, you're, you are a very good friend and a remarkable human being and, um, someone who I love and care for very much. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's been great to just kind of go on this journey with you, brother. Yeah. I like, I want to cry and like hug you now, but you're like in a different part of the country and I'm staring at your right. face on a screen. Right. <laughs> Feelings, having them. It's bad. You crying? Oh, I you crying? am. I, no, my, so I, I am so having wet eyes right now. Yes, so it's true. Like, but... <laughs> Just gonna. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. Like your love for each other, and um, I mean, you're both a glow, and your like your love for each other is just so palpable. And I, I, I guess I just I'm so. I'm so honored you're here, <laughs> Derek, and I'm so thrilled to meet you. And I'm so like it just it just makes me I'm just like giddy at the prospect of just like like hearing your story, hearing like even just how the two of you met. Because I got from what you were just saying, David, that it sounds like, you know, you really turned to Lederic to show you the way <laughs> or like help you understand a little bit more about yourself in the world but i yeah this, i'm excited this is a moment where i want to like i want to do this like really like evil therapeutic thing here and i want to be like look derek how do you want to talk about this and, and i don't mean that in like a like a setup way no it's like it's it's part of the story and i think i don't want to speak to, to to like to this part of your story and i just want to be like talk about how we met and all that but like where do you want to jump in Derek? well i i i i guess the best place to start is just it's eye to eye i mean that's to me, that's that's the beginning. So I, mm -hmm. I was the founding board chair for uh, the mentoring organization Eye to Eye and held that role for, I want to say, maybe the first eight years of the organization's life. Um, and, um, you know, uh, David stood out as one of the rock stars of the, the people, you know, who were a part of that community that was being built uh, nationally. And... Um, um, so it, like we can go there, but then I, 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 I really think David, I think where you and I really started getting close was our work with the state of Nevada. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, the remarkable people at the department of ed there who 
for for many many years now, I've been ho- hosting this uh, youth transition leadership summit, and um, I was like one of the first speakers when they started this thing. I want to say like thirteen years ago, something like that. Uh, one of the first speakers that were was was called in, um, and the event evolved over time from just being an opportunity for young people with a variety of disabilities, but primarily uh, uh, LDADHD, um, coming uh, from all over the state of Nevada and sharing with the, the Department of Ed sort of their concerns around transition and also accessing resources. It, it developed from the state's leadership into this opportunity to build community. And mm-hmm. um, when it came time to, you know, connect with someone who could make that community connection happen that was that was david kessler you know and so um this the state brought him in and um yeah we had this this team and and it's and it was always it was always amazing and i think i'm sure your audience kind of gets a, a sense of this that you know david could jump up there immediately and and we always gave him the first spot he was the first one up <laughs> <laughs> he was the first you mean one David to talk. David could break the ice. What? He was the first. He was the first one to talk to those young people. Um, you know, and 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 if you think about it, what this was was these were teams of young people from throughout the state. And uh, Nevada, they talk about how they're the most rural and urban state in America, right? So some of them were from very very small towns where they, like them and maybe a handful of their friends were the folks with learning disabilities and ADHD in the school district, right? Oh, wow. And then you, and then you had folks from like Clark County, you know, Vegas, big city, right? And um, they were all, some of them, first time on a plane, some of them had driven for hours, they show up at Reno, you know, they're in the basement of this casino conference center and looking around and I don't know these folks and there's a lot of insecurity and what have you. And so, you know, to, to break the ice, to, to, to pull them all together, we you know, David went up there first and, and, and he's a rock star and just like every time, you know, made that connection. And that was like the magic of those events. It wasn't just the resources we were able to share with the young people. Um, the, um, experience of being on a college campus, which a lot of them had, had not, had not experienced before. It wasn't just that it was this ability to look around the room and to realize you were not alone. Right. Mm. And, and we were all very clear, and a lot of that came from David's coaching, that we had to, we had to be an embodiment of a normalization of this difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's uh, you know, I, 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 I've done a few podcasts, and when people tell me, you know, like, what work are you proud of? I oftentimes speak to that, to the, to the summits, um, and, uh, you know, what it's become over time, a big piece of that is because of David. Oh my God. I like, like the first thing that I'm trying to like not do is scream like Jen, Melissa, like you guys, like there are so many incredible <laughs> rock stars. And like Jennifer the fact that Kane, it's a team. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Natalie. Yeah. Oh, just, oh, just like, amazing people. Incredible people that made such a difference. And I think that was where I first started really understanding the power of normalizing like who we were and that we didn't have to be like perfect. And in fact, coaching people and telling people to be perfect, like, misses the point like the whole point and um there's this moment inevitably where Lederic, where you're connecting with people in a room 
and you're brought in to connect with people to address lots of different like educational needs, LD needs, um, resource needs. If, if I were to ask you, like, what's something you wish you could look back and tell yourself when you were like 10 or you wish you could like tell a 10 year old now, like, however you want to answer that, because I don't, I don't want to like, you know, pigeonhole you. Like, what would you if you had like a time machine and like, I don't know, 20, no, 30 seconds, like what what comes out in that moment? What would you want to tell people? You know, when I um, I mean, I've, I was every so often I get that phone call from a parent and I was just in like the living room of this family's house. And, you know, there's a, a young man who um, not 10 years old, but 18 and facing graduation and dealing with a lot of different issues. And the family had concerns. And, um, and in the time that we all talked, I said a lot, but I, I, I remember just being very clear and very direct and looking this guy right in the eye. And I said, if nothing else happens from you being a part of the program we're bringing to your school, if nothing else happens, I just want you to know that you are okay as you are like right now. Right. And I, um, and when I have those conversations and even saying it now, like I have to be very careful not to like, to, to well up. You know, like the tears mm -hmm. can come up, can come a little later. We're just sort of establishing the relationship, um, you know, but like just to, to realize that that you are OK, you are not broken. Um, nothing about you needs to be fixed, mm -hmm. um, that um, you're that you are beautiful, right? Like your mind, you know, your body, the way you show up in this world, you are beautiful right now. And, um, you know, and, and all I try to do when I'm, you know, when I'm working with young people, when I'm working in schools, is just try to, it's like, uh, you know, like the sculptor, you know, like you're trying to just sort of chip away those rough edges to, to allow someone to just really live and be open and, and out in as much as who they are in this world um, without feeling burdened by shame and embarrassment and, and all the things that the world will, will very easily put on you. God, that's so well said. It's like, how do you? How, okay, <laughs> sorry, I just I'm got sorry, chills. Well. I'm just say? sitting here. No, no, I'm just sitting here soaking it in. This is so great. <laughs> how do you say you're going to be okay and have it not sound like you're patting someone on the head? Because what you're saying is so important. I was just talking to someone earlier. Like, how do we define resiliency? And mm. um, and I think like um. Resiliency and self-esteem can all be defined kind of in a way of like knowing that you're not going to shatter, that whatever happens not, isn't going to destroy you. And, and even still, I struggle to find words to like look at someone and be like, you're not broken. And, and Lederic, you lead in so many ways. You convey this in so many ways to people like, are you... I, 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 this is such an unfair, but are you aware of how you do this? <laughs> like, <are> you, <laughs> like the way you model stuff, the way that you walk with this energy, the way that you model that it's okay, the way that that drips out of you. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, um, even just the past, the past couple of weeks, I was, I've been in some very interesting rooms, right. Where, you know, um, uh, I was presenting at a conference and it was like full of, full of like academics, you know? And, and I show up and I'm like doing poetry and sharing my story. And I'm talking about this, this, um, the work we're doing here in the state of New Jersey under this grant. And, you know, like I'm, I'm able to kind of hit these different beats. Um, and, um, 
and I'm always like super nervous. You know, I always kind of feel like even now I still I still feel like will this destroy me? Like will this be the like my heart is pounding. I'm always scared, you know. Um but there's sort of those two minds where I also I feel like really confident. Um and I and I I I think that comes from me um at my best knowing that I'm I'm just trying to I'm just trying to help folks, you know. Um and and yeah and then you know being in other spaces where i felt like i was uh like if if uh if the audience could get their way they were going to attack me like physically harm me because i was saying things that were very challenging to the way that their their school was working functioning you know mm -hmm. um and um and yeah and even just like i i just chased check, checked facebook and this post i put up after after that particular um that particular presentation, there was all this like horrible hate kind of stuff that was written on the post and I had to block somebody. Um, but yeah, but it's like, you know, I'm passionate about inclusion. My experience was one of, of being very segregated um, uh, in school. And, and, you know, when people start mm -hmm. talking about, you know, changing the way this, that our schools function, the way that we, you know, we work to educate all students, you know, that's a change of the status quo. And that can be very, very difficult for folks to face. Um, and yeah, and in this conversation with this family that I just had, um, I mean, I walked away and I was, I was honestly very giddy, you know, cause I felt like I had made a, a difference in this young person's life and in this family's life, just very, very, you know, in a very small way in just a few minutes. Um, and, um, and I, and I, but I know, I know, you know, where it comes from is just, um. Uh, it comes from number one collaboration. Like I'm not able to do anything really of of, of uh, significance without the support of other people, without you know the school administrators that might bring me in, or um, the team of people who I work with on any any given project. Um, and then the other the other piece of it, which I think is um, you know speaks to this this podcast and the two of you is, um, you know. Uh, our representation, our narrative matters, you know, like it's one thing for mom and dad to say, you're going to be all right. And it's one thing for a really caring neurotypical teacher to say, you're going to be all right, or your, your counselor, your therapist or what have you. But when it comes from someone who's, who's lived the experience, um, it hits different, you know, it just, <laughs> it just it, like, it's, mm -hmm. it, it's mm -hmm. very different. Um, you know, and particularly when you can talk about the ups and downs and it wasn't just, you know, all, all, wonderful you know for, throughout your life um and i and i think that for many of us that's the the message we're we're we need to hear right and it's mm. it's not just the message it's it's oftentimes the messenger um and yeah and i you know and i use poetry a lot of the work that i do um and i think you know like i've got pretty good powerpoint skills and i can i can um point to different studies and you know and give references and that that sort of stuff but the the poetry, I think, conveys both information and emotion in a mm. way which uh, cuts past a whole lot of BS, you know, mm. and just kind of gets right to to the heart of of what people are feeling and thinking. Um, so, yeah, that's that's you know, that's all the <laughs> the tools that I use, man. It's oh my god, <laughs> that's it. And I love it. You're like, I can click a PowerPoint. It's like you're you're, you're minimizing a lot, and I, I can appreciate it, right? Because it, it's just hard to encapsulate everything. But I think um, there's this book that a really good friend of mine made me read the entire series of um, The Gunslinger, 
It's a very long book. Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a King King fan. It's great. But if you, if just for any listener or anyone, if you ever want to read that series, please start with the second book and end with the first book. It'll save everything for you. Oh, Um, okay. Just a thing. But there's a line in that. Fast and Furious, you like, if you watch them out of order, like they all make. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, um, sorry. That's oh, just some no, random. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, like, I, I should say, like, this book was written by Stephen King when his he was 18. He started it, and his whole goal was to write the longest book ever. So, oh. and he finished it when he was in his 50s. So, like, he gets a little more with it as the book keeps going. It gets a little less, you know, boring. But anyway, there's this one line in it where. Roland, uh, Roland looks at this guy, Jake, and says, I can tell you're a good person. He's like, how? He's like, well, you, I saw you fight naked. I saw you fight naked. Right. That's right. It's <laughs> very, and very hard. Most men, most men can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's it, very hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, no, no, it's exactly it. And I, but I think that there's a way, there's a way that you're talking about this, Lederic, that's true about poetry. There's a, there's a stripping down of who you are that occurs when you are a poet, not just also one that like says things out loud that rhyme, you know, like when you are a real poet, there's a, a vulnerability and a, and a naked fighting that I think occurs mm. for lack of a better word. Mm. And the first time I met you like lots of times, I've, it's like this moment where the universe wasn't like equal finality. It's not like your roads are going to cross once. It's like, we've met a lot of times and it's like, great. One of the first times I met Lederic was at this OI um, at with with eye to eye um, the organizing institute yeah. organizing institute with with marcus and david flank just incredible people but here i am this very impressionable like student grad student i'm there i'm like the first time i'm really in a room with like uh, this is actually the second oi like i've ever been in a room with people that have this many like ld and adhd and like like people are bouncing balls and making me feel like i'm at home and like no one's paying attention but everyone's paying attention and no one's making anyone feel bad and it's like it's like it's amazing. So I'm having this incredible community experience. And then Lederic just puts on a play. No, oh, I'm not good. Like, a yeah, full yeah. play. Wow. Yeah. Like, and, and here I am going like, I don't know much about anything, but I know this is like, this is like brain surgery. How are you doing this? And he put on a play with a, a, like this cast after the play did spoken word poetry. And after that sat and talked with people for hours and and the whole time he was doing this (laughs) Mm -hmm. it looked effortless like you're saying now like i'll get anxious and i click a powerpoint no okay fine sure but you moved like water Mm. and in my life in my life i'd never met somebody with like with an ld that i I, like i don't want to say like moved so carefree or confident Oh, but like there was that that was embodied in you, and I think I very quickly was like, "You are a person I want to get to know more." <laughs> like, like you are doing. Well, you a wanted lot of to be him. Right you were like, "I oh, would yes. I, like, I would like to go to there." That would be yes, yes. okay, yes. And, but but I think like, Lederic, like when you're talking about like inclusion being important to you, I see you being a person that like fights for anyone that gets marginalized by a system and specific in education and i want to make sure that you're not alone here and i'll I'll say this right now like i have more respect than i can articulate for teachers and for principals 
and for school system and administrators, like they are right now working a very, very impossible task. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're getting crunched in the middle between parents and kids and advocates and like, like the system. And it's very easy for people to like say things like wanting to advocate for the use of accommodations or in an area like that, that's a little more like specifically towards school. But Derek, if you want to talk about it, I want you to rip this open and say whatever you want to say, Mm -hmm. like what inclusion did and like what, what, you know, what it means to have an included classroom and what it means for kids. And like, you know, take that wherever you want to take it because it's important stuff that I think we need to hear when we're reimagining what the world can look like. Yeah. You know, and I, as you were mentioned, the, um, the amazing work of educators and the, the challenges that they're facing now. Um, I was at a, a conference. I just came from this conference in Atlantic city and it was uh, from uh, municipalities, municipal leaders. And I believe it was the mayor of Hillside. She was, she has a, a background in education is you know the the mayor now what she said you know we don't have a teacher shortage what we have is that um we we, our system hasn't really honored our educators in a way and they don't realize that we are nation builders Mm. and so if our if our skills aren't honored in in the school we can take those skills to other to other places um and when i when i think back to you know the amazing teachers that i had um, I always talk about Miss Yates, who was my first special ed teacher. So I, I went through. I started out at a Catholic school. My parents put me in a Catholic school, and um, I was in kindergarten, and then I got to first grade, and I was clearly struggling. I had to repeat the first grade, and then they basically, in so many words, told my family like, "You should send him back to district. We don't have the resources to be able to help him here." And so got through the second, and in the third grade, I had this experience where. Um, I was kind of, I was kind of outed as being LD, embarrassed in front of my entire class, but it led to my evaluations happening, um, uh, resource room. And then from there into a, into a self-contained special education classroom. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, same teacher, same teacher's aide, same students into the hall. And I was in that classroom for basically three and a half years. And, um, we were... You know, we we would leave the class to go to lunch, but we sat all together at the same table or two for lunch. We would leave the class to go to recess, but it was just like us on the playground for the most part. Mm. Um, and so I I know now as an adult so much of the the emotional challenges that I still still wrestle with, the sort of the, the negative self-concept and, and what have you. So much of that I know was ingrained from from what it was like passing through the mm-hmm. education system in, in that way. And it was, mm. you know, it was also, you know, it re- reinforced a lot of negative, um, a lot of negative practices in our, in our society, in our, in our schooling. You know, I was in a classroom predominantly with black and brown boys. Um, and we were, yeah, we were definitely, you know, we were definitely separated from everyone else and, and fed just in a very, a uh, subtle way, this idea that we were we were not as good and not as smart as everyone else. Mm. And so, you know, when I can when I can point to that experience, and and I can also say that the ed, the teachers that ran that classroom, so Miss Yates, my teacher's aide, Miss Norsha, how 
remarkable they were as educators, how incredibly like, and, and the word I always use is that they loved us. I remember being very mm-hmm. clear that those teachers loved, loved us and had very high expectations for us. But in spite of that, you know, the, the segregation is still speaking to you. It's still yeah. making you feel like you're less than. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, as I, I was able to, to, you know, get through school, I was able to graduate from high school despite, you know, having an emotional breakdown when I was 18 years old, 17 years old. Um, and, uh, had this crazy idea. I was going to go to college and go to college. And then I get, I get my first exposure to, you know, what I think of now as being an inclusive education setting, you know, and this is post, post, you know, post-secondary. Um, but it was the first time I was like, very clear, like you're going to be in classes with everybody else. There's no more separate classes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and because of that, if you want to access information, we're going to have to tailor that information in a way that really works for you. And I remember it being like, just so fast, right? You know, like, just like, okay, here's how your mind works. Okay, now I understand that. And then it was like, okay, and here are the things you need to do and the, the technology you need to use that's going to help you to be able to think, do things like reading books and understanding them and writing papers and, you know, and, and getting surviving an algebra class and, and what have you. Um, and it was like, okay, I'm going to do all that. And then just like within a few months, it felt like it, it was like, oh, school is, school is easy. Like I, like, uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't have to worry about spelling, but I can just write. Oh, no. I, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm a poet now. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like, wow. yeah. you know, like I struggled in math, but every math class I get to use a calculator. Okay. I'm going to major in mathematics. That's what I'm going to do now. Right. And, um, and it just, it just unlocked so much. And I know that there were, there were still elements of that that were present when I was younger, but particularly being in this, in this more inclusive educational setting, I think it honored me, right? It honored me as a human being. It honored me as a student in a way in which I had not been really honored before. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I go, you know, I go, I was, I went to a, a local county college. The uh, whole first year was all remedial classes, which what was a part of this amazing uh, LD support program called Project Connections, a, 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 um, a program that no longer exists now. Um, but I went, it took me five years to get out of county college, but I transferred with a 3.75 GPA, went on to New Jersey City University. I was a part of another support program. Um, for students with, with learning disabilities. But I did the last two years of my degree in two years. Um, I took 26 credits my last summer. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't right? oh my <laughs> I took 26 credits my what? last summer. Yo. Yeah. yeah. Oh my- I remember that. Cause I was like, I was like, I'm done. I'm ready to get out of here and start playing the game. Um, and um and it was almost like I got it was almost like I got recruited out of college. My last semester I was speaking at a at a conference and I had throughout my time in college started sharing my story with students and um New Jersey City University did this great conference every every year where they would invite high school students with disabilities on campus and I was always on a panel and then um these two guys that changed my life, uh Bob Hall and Bill Freeman, they they saw me on this panel 
and uh, gave me an opportunity to, uh, they reached out and asked me to, to speak at a conference. And then that led to, um, to me being the MC at these state conferences that we do in New Jersey called Dare to Dream. And, um, and it's been a bunch of twists and turns along the way, but throughout all of it, I've really thought about, you know, like what, what made the difference for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now I serve, um, I serve as the board chair for the New Jersey Coalition for Inclusive Education. And so we've been working, the organization's worked within the state of New Jersey for 25 years. Um, and uh, we've begun doing work now uh, outside of the state of New Jersey under the name uh, All In for Inclusive Education. Mm. Um, uh, because, yeah, like, I think, I know inclusion works. The data uh, uh, supports it, you know, every study that, that looks at it. And I think part of the frustration some people have with it is this idea that they think inclusion is just about all of us being in the same room together. Mm. And it's not, you know, um, I've, I, I had opportunities, you know, kind of throughout my education where they would take me out of the room, the hall, and I would be placed in the same room with everybody else. And I just felt isolated. Um, I didn't get the supports I needed and, and what have you. And I, and I am certain my teachers didn't know what to do. <laughs> you know, those teachers who just kind of had this kid show up from special ed and it was like, you know, okay, teach him math or teach him, you know, history or what have you. And it, and I had no foundation and no supports. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, uh, inclusion works when it is not just us being in the same room, but when we honor our teachers and give them opportunities to collaborate mm -hmm. um, and not just like, sneaking a meeting in during lunchtime or sneaking a meeting after class at the Starbucks, like having as part of their regular rhythm of their weeks and their months of having time to work together as a team to collaborate on how to support all of their students. It's when we bring in specialists, mm -hmm. right, with specific backgrounds to be able to say, you know, if it's a, a, a speech and language disability, if it's something around um, social interactions, you know, what, what have you, like someone that can show up and, and inform that team around particular interventions to be able to help um, scheduling, just how the, 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 the school schedule functions so that we can slot in su support so we can allow for that collaboration so that we can set up testing outside of the classroom in a way that, again, honors, honors our students, whatever, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, and so like for me, I think, you know, if we can, if we can bring that, that helps not only the, the students who struggle with learning, not only students with disabilities, but it helps everybody, you know, and when I say everybody, I do mean everybody. I mean, you know, um, all the students, but also the educators, um, you know, it honors and honors them and their professionalism in a way that I think everyone is hungry for. Mm. Well, oh, I, I hmm? <laughs> okay. I'm just going to start to unmask a little bit. Cause I feel like I've been sitting on my hands. Like I've, oh my gosh, about that and about this and about that. So forgive me for like, just leaping on this right now. But I am, uh, first of all, I am so, so struck by that. I mean, even just that last idea you were talking about where it's, it's not just about like, like, I don't know, like plunking everyone into a room. It's actually like noticing, like, yeah, like noticing that, like, like, I, I guess this part just, just never ceases to amaze me. Like that the idea that I don't know, maybe each one of us needs someone else or other people to help understand a thing. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like so strange to me that there's this like, 
there's this pressure for like, you know, like for one, like one, let's say one teacher, or maybe a co-teaching team to like suddenly become experts and also be social workers and also major in child development and also know this. And it's like, no, you just figure it out in your own little world. And 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 not to say that's true of every environment. I've I've worked a little bit with educators in the past and 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 so like I'm kind of borrowing from that. But I I think the thing that I am so curious about is okay, you mentioned that like, you know, all this research supports inclusion is like maybe the path. And for anyone listening, side note, who's like, what are we talking about? I'm just going to clarify for myself, right? Like inclusion means that you would have people who are um, like, not, like there's, I guess this like, to me, it seems so outdated, but whatever, maybe this is how people function. Like there's different, like sometimes people are put into different tracks. Like there could be like the advanced track or something of like, oh, like you test into certain levels of classes and then you're like on that track. And then there's people who are tracked in this range. And then there's people who are like, oh, you need to go over here. Or even the track that's, um, you know, I want to validate too, like not just um, LD, but also like behavioral issues, I think is the term. <laughs> Goodness, lots lots to talk about here. Um, but point is, is it's like inclusion is not just putting everyone Together, it's actually recognizing that we've maybe not done right by a lot of people in a lot of different ways. I'm just wondering, like, maybe this seems silly, but like, I guess what what are some of the barriers to the, you know, to this, like already being what school systems do? Does that make sense? Like, like who thought it was a good idea to just be like, hey, you let's like, uh, like isolate you over in the corner and like put you with like experts and just set you up to feel like, you know, like you're not a part of, you know, the whole community. I don't know. I'm rambling. Is this helpful? David, well, uh, jump yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> Save me, David. Can I, can, can I take a, can I take a swing <laughs> yes, at please, it? Yes, please, please. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think, I think history is important too, right? Like if we think about the history of the education system, um, you know, where, you know, there was a time, you know, you, you roll the clock back far enough where if you were going to get an education, you had to have a private tutor. You know, that was school. Like in your house, it was folks showing up, you know, and then, you know, kind of uh, post-Civil War, you know, this this more pervasive uh, public education starts to permeate, you know, across across the U.S. But even there, there was segregation, you know, and so, you know, you not only had racial segregation in place, um, but also uh, cognitive you know, ableism also played a, a, a certain role in who we allowed to be educated and who we didn't. And, you know, gender as well, you know, depending on where you are in the, in the, uh, in the education system. Right. Mm. So, um, yeah, there, you know, like a lot of folks don't, don't realize that there was a time in American history where it was actually, uh, illegal in some States for folks with disabilities, particularly more profound disabilities to be educated with their non-disabled peers. And, you know, I've heard the stat that is even as few as one in five students with disabilities, um, as few as one in five were being educated in, in classes with everybody else. You know, and this is during times when we had mass institutionalization, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where pe particularly people with more profound disabilities mm -hmm. were um, intellectual developmental disabilities were just being warehoused, you know, and, and through the incredible work of both the civil rights movement and the disability rights movement, we get a breakdown of that. And, 
And it's really like it's really our generation. Like we're the we're the ones that really the first generation to be able to benefit from so much of this remarkable change, so much of this remarkable activism. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was led primarily by people, you know, with people who were using wheelchairs, right? It was the, the blind, the deaf community. Um, you know, I think one critique of it is that it didn't necessarily involve us with the, the quote unquote hidden disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but they're they're able through their mobilization, through their organizations, they're able to, to create these spaces in schools where in some cases for the first time, people with disabilities were able to come into classes. And that's part of the reason why these, these classes are usually planted in basements or sort of tagged on to the end of buildings because they were just sort of creating mm-hmm. a space where there wasn't a space. And unfortunately, we're still doing that in so many, in so many of our schools, right? Um, and so, um, you know, my, I, my my comp skills class was in the basement. You just blew my mind. Yeah, I know, right? I know. Yeah. I'm thinking of like all the oh, trainings sorry, I went sorry, to, and they're oh. always like, there's always an outbuilding or like the building yeah. like attached to the building, yeah. like mind yeah. blown. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah of so, course, it's like the objective haven't thought of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so um, you know, and I and I and and I mentioned that because like I'm saying this because um we're still very much trying to figure out how to fit, you know, the quote unquote others right into, into this existing system. Um, um, I, I, there's, there's just this, this, um, this idea that we've created schools basically just sort of um, educate the masses and those of us who sort of fall out of, you know, the, the quote unquote marginalized people we're the ones who need a special program, special education, some sort of add-on, right, mm-hmm. to to deal with our difference, so that we can we can pass through that system. Um, uh, and so the you know some of the places we we all need to look at as advocates, as activists, is also our our teacher preparation programs, right? So how do we prepare educators, right? Like you know I've seen some very progressive school administrators that will only hire teachers if they're dual certified, if they have a background both in special education and whatever their specific discipline is, right? Mm-hmm. Because that allows you to professionally have enough understanding, at least basically, right, to be able to, to say, I can educate everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going to a disproportionality conference years ago and sitting in on a workshop and this, this uh, amazing uh, presenter facilitator was saying how your average teacher, even someone who's considered to be highly qualified, they're going to pass through school. They're going to, you know, they're going to end up, you know, standing in front of a classroom. And maybe if they're lucky, they've got two credits that, uh, you know, from from their college education that had to do with how to educate students with disabilities. And those are most often elective credits. They're not even like oftentimes required. Right. And so um, what that means, and I remember the, the, the person at this conference saying it, this clearly says it means that that means that those highly qualified teachers are, are prepared to teach people who are just like them. Right. <sighs> and so when you think about when you think about what that means as far as the gender divide, you think about, you know, uh, race and economics. Right. Like there's a reason why we have these biases that we have to wrestle with. Right. And then and then, you know, the message that I then say to school administrators is like, you all know this. Right. Like, you know, you know this. Mm-hmm. And it's and now it's not even on the teacher's fault. Right. Because it's like the programs that prepare them. So as administrators. What can we do to pour into these professionals? Right. To help um, 
supplement their 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 education so that they're getting professional development experiences and so oftentimes like that's part of the role that i'll play you know and i'm you know just me it's you know me coming in and doing maybe a professional development day or a presentation and then through organizations like uh all in for inclusive ed you know i'm able to connect folks with with coaches that can come in and work with with schools on an ongoing basis oh, wow. um, but it's mm -hmm. that it's that professional development right that can that can help address some of these issues um but yeah but that's that i mean that's the that's the ground we're playing on right and and that's not to say that's all schools, right? Because there are there are many school administrators who, um, you know, and and then also you know parent advocates who are like, yo, we got to do this differently. And so the school the school changes over time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's yeah that's that's why we're 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 dealing with so many of these issues. Again, this is the first part of a longer conversation with Lederick, and we can't wait for you to hear more. Um, so stay tuned for future episodes. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.